Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Well, what a difference a week makes. It was almost exactly a week ago to this very moment that I was sitting in this seat and a lot of us were concerned about COVID-19 and not sure where it was going. And now a week later, I think a lot of us are downright scared. There's a lot of fear out there and understandably so. Although I'm watching cars whip by on Route 42 just outside my office window here at Crestview Presbyterian Church, but a lot of people are going about their lives. A lot of people are not. And you wonder how much longer we're going to have to be secluded to the degree that we already are. So how much longer will you have to go to Kroger and wait in line to get one roll of toilet paper or wait in line outside of Costco in the rain, which people were doing yesterday, just to get inside the store? Strange times indeed. And as I mentioned, I think a lot of people are really becoming fearful. I had a conversation with my son. I'm going to say it was maybe Tuesday morning. And he looked like he hadn't slept all night. And I said, are you okay? And he said, you know, I just was up reading about this coronavirus and I'm scared. I'm going to self-isolate. I'm not going to allow myself to come into contact with other people. I really am going to be quarantined. And he started talking about the different news shows he was watching and articles he was reading. And it occurred to me that during seasons like this, we can do one of two things. We can feed our fear by binge watching these cable news shows, or whatever the case might be, or binge reading certain doomsday predictive articles online, or we can feed our faith and immerse ourselves deeper in God's Word and start asking some profound questions of ourselves, like, what's God doing in all this? What does God want to do in my life in the course of all this? Maybe there are some habits, as I mentioned before, that I've got that I can change because I'm now I'm being forced to interrupt my normal routine. This could be an opportunity because it's being imposed on us to really make some changes in life and to really see um, our faith and our lives flourish in, to a greater degree than they were previously. So that's kind of where I am in all this. I'm, I'm asking myself, what, what does God want to do? And so I am now on day six of a self-imposed fast from watching TV. I have not watched one minute of television since last Sunday evening. So, and it's, you know, there's really nothing on that I like to watch anyway right now. So I'm okay with it. But in doing this, I've spent more time reading and more time thinking and praying and talking with my family and friends. And I'm just wondering if God is going to change some of my patterns when this is all said and done. But as I mentioned, I, you know, with my son being fearful, and, and I think he's doing better now, but a lot of us are just scared. People in the church I serve are feeling very scared. I thought we'd talk about that. And I, of all the passages for us to study today, I want to study Revelation chapter 1. Now, Revelation chapter when you hear Revelation, a lot of us think, oh, that's doom and gloom, it's apocalyptic, it's scary, it's hard to understand, the imagery is just too bizarre for me. And there is some sense as we read that, that we're challenged to think about what exactly is going on. But we have to understand that Revelation was written by John. There was some conversation in the early centuries as to who exactly John was, but scholars have settled on it's the same John who was John the Apostle, the son of Zebedee. And so 
he had written the gospel according to John, where he talked about Jesus as the I am, quoting Jesus. And he does the same thing in chapter one of the book of Revelation. It's important to understand that when Revelation was written, it was a time of intense persecution within the Christian community. The, the Romans were just being horrible to the Christians. Nero in the 60s was just persecuting them left and right. Domitian in the 80s was doing the same thing. And so there was a lot of fear. There's that word again. There was a lot of fear within the Christian community, and it was a time of crisis. And of course, we're in a time of national emergency. So it seems to me that this is a good time to read the book of Revelation because what John is doing through the gift of a, of a, of a disclosure from Christ is comforting the people and encouraging the people to remain faithful in the midst of all of this crisis and in the midst of all of this persecution. So I just want to kind of go through the letter real quick, or the first chapter of it, make some observations, and we'll kind of step back and draw some conclusions, think about some insights that we gain, and maybe a takeaway or two. So let's just do that. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, I'll just read it to you. It begins with these words, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. In other words, this is a disclosure from Christ. Yep, there's it's some somber stuff in here. It's unsettling, some of the imagery is, but remember this is a pastoral letter meant to reassure, reassure people in uncertain times. And so then he continues on, verse 4. John, the author, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. So Asia was sort of modern-day Turkey. That's where he is addressing this letter to these seven churches. They were about 50 miles apart. And he basically is setting the tone for the letter, grace to you and peace, which is ironically not, which is how we start our worship services at Crestview every week, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he tells the hearers about the great I Am, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And that's the theme that we're going to pick up on. Often when I pray, one of my prayers is that I will see life from God's perspective as best he allows me to do. Understanding that God is in the past, God has seen it all, he knows my past, God is here in the present, he's with us right now, and God is also out in the future. And so the prayer is, because God knows the future and is out in the future, he has a different perspective on everything that happens today. And my prayer is, God, help me just to have that assurance that you're in the future and just to see things that feel so critical to me and so dramatic to me from your perspective. He continues on, verse 5. And also from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. From him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And so that we begin to get some rich imagery of who this Jesus is. He's the firstborn from the dead. He was the first to be resurrected. In, in his day, in that culture, the firstborn was the, the son of status and privilege. And so Jesus uh, is the very first one of all those who will be eventually resurrected. He was the witness to God's redemptive plan for us. And then two, he is the ruler over the kings of the earth. There will come a day when Jesus will be over all. 
rulers come and go, presidents come and go, kings come and go, queens come and go, prime ministers, they come and go. He lasts forever. And then finally, what did he do? He freed us from our sins by his blood. And we're going to circle back to the notion of being freed, because if you are freed from something, that means that you have been formerly in bondage to that thing, imprisoned by that thing. As I was reading that scripture this week, Romans chapter 5 came to mind. And just kind of let this um, soak in as I read it. Here's what Paul wrote. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Christ? Just the good news of the gospel there. Paul and John had that very same theme that they were wanting to saturate the community with, that by the blood of Christ, you and I have been freed. And then he goes on and starts to talk about who we are. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. That's our identity. We are priests. Now, what does a priest do? A priest lives on behalf of God, serves God, serves others on behalf of God, intervenes for others in prayer to God. A priest has work to do. It's not just about hanging out. So that's who we are. And then finally, here is the drop the mic. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Almighty. Alpha and, the, Alpha and Omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. By the way, my two, three favorite Greek letters in that alphabet are Sigma, Alpha, and Epsilon. Love those three letters. But what he's saying here is, using the first and last letters of the alphabet, is God is sovereign over our past, and God is also out ahead of us in the future. God has a perspective of knowing what has happened in the past, but God also has the perspective of knowing what will happen. And so this COVID-19 is not a surprise to God. Let that soak in for a moment. God is not in heaven saying, scratching his, I didn't see that. Well, did, I had no idea. He's not elbowing Peter saying, did you know this was going to happen? No, God had every bit of information that you and I now have before the dawn of time. God saw it coming. God knew it was going to happen because he's the Omega. And so when this is all over, let me just ask you a question. When this is all over, you and I are going to have a story to tell. And what's going to be your story? You know, will your story that you tell and the story I tell be one of well, during that COVID-19 scare of 2020, I was so afraid I just kind of huddled up, fearful in the corner, didn't do anything. I binge-watched Netflix. Um, I was only really concerned and worried about myself. Or maybe on the other hand, I really acted foolishly and unsafely. What will be the story that you tell when this is all over? I mean, we all remember where we were on 9-11 if we're old enough to remember. We'll be telling similar stories years to come about today and what we're going through. So that's kind of the text. Jesus gives us two images here, the image of being a prisoner and the image of being a priest. Remember, we were freed by Christ. So a prisoner is someone who is held captive. 
by someone or something. In this sense, as I think what's being spoken about here, we are held prisoner by our own sin. And I'd like to suggest that fear can be something that holds us prison. Fear can hold us captive. Fear can enslave us. Fear can keep us in bondage. And some of us are going through that right now. On the other hand, a priest is someone who's given work to do by the Almighty, to represent him before others, to serve others on God's behalf. And we can do so because we've been set free from slavery and imprisonment and fear. And so as you're going through this season, are you feeling more like a prisoner or a priest? Because really that's what Jesus gives us here as the two options. I want to think about the mindset of a priest. And here's an idea or an insight for today. I was reading, rereading the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People recently. I'm telling you, since I'm not watching TV, I've got all kinds of time to do that. In fact, I'm holding it right now, patting it on my desk. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I love habit number two. He says, begin with the end in mind. Begin each day with the image of the end of life in mind. So every day we are working toward the vision we have for what life is going to look like. Every day we are building and working toward that end. And so we keep our minds focused on the end. This is where I think God is calling me. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is who I'm supposed to be. Every day we keep that in mind so that we're consistent in what we're doing and consistent in all of our language and activity. Well, if we think about this in terms of our faith, uh, what do we know about the end of life? Well, we know this. Jesus is the Omega. He is the God who will be. He is the God who will one day rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. And so the future is not in our hands, it's in his hands. And so we can, we can live our lives with that sense of assurance. He, he's already out there. That's how the story ends. And just like those first century believers who are being addressed by Jesus through John in the Revelation, God's saying the same thing to you and me. In the midst of crisis, remember the end. You know, there's stories of fearlessness and faithfulness all over the Bible. And I think often when we read these stories, we have what some psychologists call hindsight bias, which means we kind of underestimate and undersell and underappreciate the incredible bravery and fearlessness of people because we know how the story ends and we know what the outcome is. You know, you read the story of Esther. Basically, she goes before the king to plead on behalf of her people, priest, right? Interceding for them, working for them. And when she went to see the king uninvited, she basically was raising her hand saying, just kill me now, execute me now. But she was faithful and she was fearless. Often we kind of soft sell that because we know how the story ends. She literally said, you can take my life now. You think of the story of David and Goliath. There's David Let's say he's a five-foot-five-inch shepherd boy, and he's so small he can't even wear military armor. He volunteers to go confront Goliath, the great giant of the Philistines, in battle. He said, I'll do this for the people of God. And Goliath is just this massive human being wearing all this body armor. David basically takes a slingshot, some smooth stones, and says, let's go. And we know how the story ends with David defeating Goliath. 
but we don't fully appreciate the incredible bravery and risk they took to serve God. They trusted his outcome. They knew that God had the future in his hands. And so are there moments that you're being given right now by God where you can say, you know what? I'm not going to be a prisoner to my fear. I'm not going to be enslaved by my fear. I'm not going to allow my fears to crowd out any other emotion that I'm experiencing. No. You know what I'm going to do? I'm literally going to see myself as a priest instead and feed my faith. What will you and I be during this time? Revelation 1 reminds us that God has the future. And so you and I can live for him even in the midst of the rough times. Jesus is our model for fearlessness. And I'm going to say this twice. How is Jesus our model for fearlessness? Here's what fearlessness is. Fearlessness is wearing a crown of thorns with blood dripping in your eyes and picking up a 300-pound cross and carrying that cross for nearly a half a mile up a gauntlet called the Via Della Rosa with thousands of people yelling at you, harassing you, spitting at you, all for someone else's sins. Fearlessness is carrying a 300-pound cross for nearly a half a mile up a gauntlet lined by people jeering and spitting and yelling at you all for someone else's sins. That is fearless. And that is, the, that is the God that we worship. That's the one who's addressing us in this passage. And so fearless for you and me. We'll be living our lives in such a way that we have a story to tell. And what will be that story that you tell your friends and your children and your grandchildren and whoever else about how you lived during the great virus of 2020. I hope that uh, when we gather next week, that uh, the world will look a little brighter to us. But in the meantime, I hope that you have a good day, you take good care, and may God be with you. Bye now.